As a human being, even for a follower of Jesus, your life is a mess. As Pastor Daniel will remind you today, it boils down to one cause, you. You can't blame everything that's wrong in your life on others. But there's something else that's more important. Jesus is real. He's alive and working in you, transforming you and offering you grace when you stumble. Jesus knows your life and your flaws, but he loves you anyway. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Romans chapter 7 as he continues his message, Seeing Clearly. Jesus was about to be betrayed. He was about to be crucified. And he grabbed Peter, James, and John out of all of the 12 disciples, the three who were the closest to him. And he said, hey, listen, will you come and join me? I'm going to go over there and pray. Will you just hang here and pray with me? Like, it was like Jesus knew what was coming. He wanted his people there. He wanted the support of friendship. And Jesus went away to pray, and he comes back, and Peter's cutting wood snoring. Now, the Bible doesn't say he was snoring, but you know that Peter was a snorer, right? You can just imagine. You see Peter's personality, and you know that, you know, Jesus comes back over. He's hoping that his boys are there praying, and Peter's passed out in a food coma after the Passover Seder, you know? And and Jesus is like, Peter, you sleeping on me? And he says, watch and pray lest you enter enter into temptation. Why? Because Jesus knew that Peter was going to even deny that he knew Jesus in just a few hours. Instead of praying and seeking God, Peter was snoozing on the job. And he says, listen, you know what the problem is, Peter? You have a willing spirit, but you have weakness in your flesh. And guess what? Same is true for me and you. See, that's the thing. For someone who's a follower of Jesus, now I realize here at Crossroads, not everyone is a follower of Jesus here. And I always say that if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, I am absolutely grateful that you would come and explore Jesus with us here at Crossroads. Like, like that's an honor to me. We want you to be here. And we don't ever, we, we don't like, you know, when someone's coming into Crossroads, we'll say, hey, listen, you know, are you a believer, the right type of believer? Do you read the right translation of the Bible? Are you wearing a tie? Or I can't believe you're wearing a tie. Or, you know, what I mean, like, we don't do that kind of thing. A lot of churches, you walk in the door and you know that you're not supposed to be there. It's not one of those places, right? So I realize that not everyone here is a follower of Jesus. We're all in different steps of our faith journey. And so I'm just happy that you're here. But here's the thing. If you're a follower of Jesus, you totally understand the, my spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. And if you're like, well, actually, I've never experienced that. If you're reading through the Bible with us, you're going to learn it this week as we start to read Leviticus together. <laughs> Isn't it true? I remember the first time I tried to read through the whole Bible, right? And I made it right about to where we are now, at the book, end of the book of Exodus. And then Leviticus came on. I'm like, what is this? 
And instead of reading through Leviticus, I'm like, I'm just going to go read the Gospel of John. I need stuff that I can understand right now. It's like you want to read through it and you want to understand it, but then you get into it and it's not easy. And right away you're like, oh man, I don't want to read through all this. You know, and then you start flipping, you get past Leviticus, you realize the book of Numbers, it's like the first bunch of chapters of the list of names. You're like, man, I got to read those list of names, you know? And then before you know it, you fall off the Bible reading plan, right? But we understand that. And the reason life is messy is because we have this challenge in the hearts of all people. That the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That there's the right intentions, but we oftentimes lack the ability to follow through. The self-control to follow through. It's not that we don't want to. It's that we want to, but for whatever reason, we can't seem to get that thing done. To finish that job. Right? It's like, or, you know, I always do this where when it's uh, the time changes, I'm always like, listen, now that the time has changed, I'm going to keep getting up earlier, right? Because, you know, and then sure enough, it's like, I'm great for four days, four days. It's like, I'm like right on it because, you know, it's like, you know, when the time goes, you know, I guess it's when you time goes whichever direction, you know what I mean? I can't even think about it. You know, it's like all of a sudden, like you're, you know, you're getting up and it's, your body's used to getting up a certain time and now it's now early. I'm going to stay there. I'm not going to let it adjust because I want to work out and spend time with the Lord and do all this thing. And then sure enough, four days later, all it takes is like, you know, one of the kids gets up in the middle of the night and then I push that time back. And then I'm like, oh man, I want, there's good reasons to get up early for me, but to follow through on it, it's hard. And for each one of us, When we all live into that reality, guess what? It makes life messy for everybody. So life is messy. You have to keep that lens on. And no matter how much you love Jesus, life's still going to be messy. Right? It's not like you put your faith and trust in Jesus, and now all of a sudden life doesn't get messy. No, it's like now all of a sudden life gets even more messy. Because you begin to realize how much messes you've been creating. Right? Wisdom is knowing that you don't know. How many of us, when we came to know Jesus, realized, I can't believe I used to live like that. I can't believe I used to do that. I can't believe I created all that stuff for all these people to have to deal with. And so life is messy. But Paul doesn't just leave us with life is messy. That's not the whole story. That's just one pillar of a lens that we need to see. From there, look at what he says in verse 15. For what I am doing, I do not understand. And what I want, will to do, that I do not practice. And what I hate, that's what I do. And if then, verse 16, I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it's good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but it's sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present within me, but how to perform what is good. I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. See, you see what Paul... Now, Paul's speaking of the internal struggle that he has, there's what he wants to do and there's what he actually does. And he's like, I don't understand why I do this. Does everyone understand what this feels like? You've you've had this moment after you do something wrong and you're like, I wanted to do something else, but I did this thing. Now, here, this is an important part of the lens through which you need to see it clearly. And you're going to love this. What, What is Paul saying here? He's saying, listen, my problem is me. That's what he's saying. My problem is what? 
is me. Now, what's so powerful about that reality is for many of us, we want to say, my problem is you, right? My problem is this circumstance. It's like, no, no. Paul's saying, no, my problem is, my problem is me. Your problem is you and my problem is he. Paul's saying, listen, it's not that other circumstances don't exist. It doesn't mean that there's not temptations that get created or other people do things that create problems for us. But Paul's saying, no, my problem is, my problem is that I am the problem. It's my issue. And he's saying, it's not just me. It's the fact that within me, there is this leaning towards sin. There is this disposition of rebellion against God. And even though I want to do the right things, sometimes I just get it wrong. And the thing is, is we live, since the Garden of Eden, nobody wants to say, my problem is me. Everybody wants to say, you're the problem. It's the woman you gave me, God. It's the serpent. The serpent deceived me. It's the whoever's in office or who isn't in office or it's my parents or it's my kids or it's the grandkids or it's my neighbor. No, that all may be real, but your problem is who? You and my problem is me. And the apostle Paul wants us to get that. And know what I, this is what I love so much about the Bible because the Bible doesn't pretend that there are not circumstances and issues, but the problem is the only person you have a responsibility for is who? Is you. And if you have a family, you know, we have parents have responsibilities for their children to a point. But you're responsible for your family, but really each individual in your family is responsible for them. It's like, and in a lot of ways, what you have is that when you're raising children, like spouses are responsible for each other to an extent. But a spouse, if one spouse goes wayward, the other spouse isn't punished for that. They just deal with the consequences of that rebellion. Each person is responsible for themselves. We just had this the other day because my son Obadiah and my daughter Maranatha, Obadiah and Maranatha were getting into it about something. And Maranatha was getting upset. I looked at Maranatha. I said, Maranatha. And she was getting all worked up. I'm like, sweetie, who's the boss of you? And she said, well, uh, Jesus, my good answer. Who else is the boss of you? And she said, I am. And I'm like, in this equation, is Obadiah the boss of you? And she's like, no. I'm like, so what's the problem? And she was like, oh. Because Obadiah was like going to dictate terms. I'm like, he's not the boss of you. He's your brother. You know? Of course he's going to give you terms that are advantageous to what he wants to do. That's what big brothers are, you know? I'm like, but he's not the boss of you. So what's the problem? But you know what the thing is, is for many of us, we are so used to forgetting that Jesus is the boss of you, and then you're the boss of you. That we give over that authority to everybody else. So someone comes at you all angry, and then you get all angry, and you're like, it's your fault. No, actually, you got angry. You didn't have to. You chose to. Someone comes at you with something, and you're so used to, well, man, I learned that when someone does this, I do that. No, listen, you choose to do that. And maybe it's a reflex, but guess what? Jesus is really interested in transforming our natural reactions to biblical responses. We call that simply responding to Jesus or discipleship. You used to do this, but then you realize, no, no, my problem is me. I don't want to respond that way. You know, I love my dad so much. You know, he, I just love him so much. But me and my dad, you know, we were, we banged heads a lot growing up. And I remember me and my dad can argue in the drop of a hat. It was just like the, you know, especially when I got older, I got out of the house, you know, I was paying my own bills. I respected the way that they provided, but you know, we'd get into this stuff. And I remember one day I'm like, I'm just not going to fight with my dad anymore. 
And it was hard because it was like we would talk and we'd get into it and I'd like hold the phone up over my ear and bite my tongue. Like, you know, it's like so hard not to say something right now. You know, and he's like, you're quiet. He's like, you're not saying anything. And I'm like, I know. You know? <laughs> but it's like, but I realize like, I don't, you don't have to fight if you don't want to. But that's what happens when you begin to realize that you know who your problem is? You. You know who my problem is? And really, we all got more than enough in our own hands. Think about how on your job things break down when you start thinking that you know what your boss is supposed to do. Right? It's like you, you think you understand that. They know that you, you know what's right. And you're like, but they, you, they actually don't, you don't know all the things that they know. And guess what? You have a hard enough job doing your job. Right? You got enough problems. Right? And so, I mean, listen to what Jesus said. The my problem is me verse. Listen to this. Mark chapter 7 verses 14 to 15. Jesus said. And when he had called all the multitude to himself. He said to them. Hear me everyone. And understand. There is nothing that enters a person from the outside. That can defile them. But the things which come out of him. Those are the things that defile a person. If anyone has ears to hear. Let him hear. He's saying listen. There's nothing you can eat that defiles you. The problem is what comes out of you. The problem is what's already in you. He's saying the problem is you. And whatever you put in is because there's something within you that wants those things. So really what I'm saying, it's like if you have a drug and alcohol addiction, the drugs and alcohol are a problem, but the bigger problem is the fact that you want to do those things. That's where the problem, it's an internal problem that leads to you choosing to do those things. The Bible has, this is a standard for how we treat people and purity and all these things. See, the problem isn't what you're doing with your body. The problem is that you want to do those things with your body that starts inward, that has a manifestation outward. So the internal thing is the problem. What's on the inside? And that's what the Apostle Paul keeps saying. He's like, for me, I know what I want to do and I don't do it. And then because I know what I want to do, I don't do it. I agree with the law. I agree that the law is right and it's good. But what I'm realizing, Paul says, verse 17, but now it is no longer I who do it, but it's the sin within me that does it. There was a movie that I, uh, that I enjoyed called The Italian Job, and probably because it was an Italian people movie. Not really. But there's this scene in it where this guy, they're all thieves. And he says, he's like, you know, what makes me nervous is not you, it's the devil inside of you. It's like this line. And what's amazing, it's a deeply biblical statement. Because he's saying, he's like, listen, I actually don't, I'm not worried about you. I'm just worried about the sin that dwells in you that's going to want to do me wrong. See, but when you realize in the midst of all of this stuff that the problem with each one of us is that we want to do the right things, but oftentimes we have this sin disposition. And the things you want to do, you don't do. And you realize, okay, so the problem is me. And that's why the Apostle John says it this way. 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. It says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. And if we confess our sins, he, speaking of God, is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's saying, if you say that you are not your problem, you're deceiving yourself. And the truth doesn't dwell within you. Right? He said, but if you confess your struggles, and I love that word confession is so powerful because it literally means in the Greek language to say the same thing as. So confession is you're agreeing with God that this is, that I'm my problem. Right? That when that happens, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. 
And so what I want to encourage you today, if you want to see clearly, if you want the Holy Spirit to, just like when you can't see and you realize things are blurry, you go to the doctors and they flip all those lenses and before you know it, everything is clear, right? You have to always remember that your problem is you. And that you have to own your parts of these things. That's why Jesus said, if you notice the speck in your brother's eye, should you go and deal with the speck in their eye? Yes, but you have something to do first. You have to deal with the plank in your own eye. Because if you could, listen, just enjoy the word picture for a second. You know, some, you ever notice when someone's got something in their eye? What do you have to do to help them get the thing out of their eye? You got to get pretty close to them. Now imagine if you got a two by four coming out of your own eye. It's like the plank coming out of your eye does more damage than the speck in their eye. But what most of us do is we notice that someone's got something that isn't quite right and we want to go help them. But really the problem is is we go in there and we just make matters worse because they had, now they got a concussion. They had a speck in their eye. Because all of a sudden we show up with our plank and boom. And then we wonder why issues happen. So Jesus doesn't say don't deal with the speck. He's like, but before you deal with the speck, you got to deal with the problem of you. You're the problem. I'm my biggest problem. I had someone say to me just recently, it was so fun. I, was, I had already prepped this message. They're like, so what's your biggest struggle in the ministry? I'm like, hello, uh, me? You know, because I've gone to a lot of pastor's conferences. Pastors say, man, the ministry would be so much fun for the people. You know? Heard pastors say that forever. Ministry would be so much fun if it wasn't for all the people. I'm like, ministry would be so much fun if it wasn't for me. Because I'm the problem. I'm the guy who shows up all messed up, making bad decisions with wrong motives and all this stuff. It's like, I got to deal with myself. And the beauty is, is that's true for all of us, isn't it? How are you doing dealing with the problem of you? You know, for those of you who are married, here's what I want to encourage you. If you spend as much energy trying to fix yourself than you try and fix your spouse, I guarantee your marriage will get fixed. I'm serious. You don't have to fix your spouse. You need to fix you. You got more than enough to deal with on your side of the bed. And if you fix you, I guarantee your marriage will change. All the wives are like, amen, Pastor Daniel. You tell him. But that's what I'm learning. Like, I have to work on me. I have to deal with me. And if I deal with me, then I can actually see clearly enough to try and help other people deal with themselves. But my problem is me. Your problem is you. But it's not only that life is messy, and it's not only that my problem is me, but look what it says, verse 21. He says, I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good, for I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to a law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Now, you notice by the time he brings this thing to a crescendo, oh, wretched man that I am, who's going to deliver me? And then he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, my friends, Not only is life messy and not only is my problem me, but as we always say here, guess what? Jesus is real. Jesus is real. 
He's saying, because there's this battle that's going on inside of me, life is messy because everyone's messy and my problem is me. But guess what? Jesus is real and Jesus is the deliverer. And Jesus is the one person who in the midst of a messy world with me with all my problems and all my internal battling that goes on, then there is Jesus who is very much a savior. Now, I wrote a book called Honestly with this framework, right? Life is messy, but Jesus is real. And I do that because if you read the Bible, if you read the Bible, you realize that the Bible teaches from Genesis to Revelation that life is messy and that Jesus is real. That's what it teaches. And when you live your life every single day, know what you learn every single day? Life is messy. My problem is me. And Jesus is real. But you know what the alternative is? If you're somebody who doesn't believe in Jesus, you just get stuck with the first two and you got no solution on the back end, which is a bummer. And I've been there. Where it's like life is bad. Every, nothing works right. And then if you're even remotely self-reflective, if you can even take the time to shine the mirror, not on everybody else and their problems, but you look at your own problems, you realize like you're a train wreck of varying degrees of complete calamity, but you have no solution. So then what our culture does is it sends us on the wild goose chase of solutions, right? I go to a life coach. I go to a counselor. I go, you know, I go get a facelift. You know what I mean? I lose 50 pounds. And, and, and like none, none of those things are necessarily bad, except for maybe the facelift, you know, because it messes the whole thing up after a while, you know? Now, I realize there's medical reasons. Get Someone's going to be like, I got a facelift because this thing happened. I know there's some medical reasons for it. But like, you're just trying to look younger, you know what I mean? You have all these things. And then it's like, well, go get more education. That's going to help, right? You know, go get this thing. Go do that thing. And you get the wild goose chase. And then, of course, when you get tired of all the wild goose chase, you land on... I'm just going to numb myself through watching, binge watching TV shows on my devices. Because in the end of the day, it's so miserable. So just give me the Ben and Jerry's. Give me my new favorite show to watch so I don't have to deal with my life. Right? And our culture is square there right now. Where it's like, we've already explored everything. We've already had the most educated generation in history. Nobody's happy. We have more food products and types of food. We have more dietary restrictions than we've ever had before. You get in and out of the airport quicker than you ever have been. And you have everything is there, but yet people are still miserable. Jesus is You have everything you ever could want in this present world. There's, there's great advances in technology and science. Food is more readily available, and you have the option to educate yourself to whatever level you desire. Yet Pastor Daniel shared today that most of the world is still aching for something more. That more is Jesus, and he's available to you right now. He's everything you've been looking for and all you'll ever need. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. Thanks for joining me on Jesus is Real Radio. I realize that not all of you who listen are followers of Jesus, but I actually believe that there are many of you right now as you've been listening, you're saying, I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus. I want his death and resurrection to be applied to my life. And if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me, which is just saying thank you to Jesus for saving you. Go ahead, repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, I'm so stoked for you. And I want to get some more resources in your hands to help you continue this journey. So pull out your mobile phone. 
text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400, 51400, and we'll get some resources into your hands. Now, don't go anywhere. Some folks from my team want to share some amazing things with you. Thanks, Daniel. Again, if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel, take out your cell phone and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. We'd love to get some resources into your hands, and the Crossroads team wants to connect with you. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time when you'll be reminded how much Jesus' grace means to you. It's easy to find yourself living the forgiven life, but forgetting what you needed forgiveness from. Pastor Daniel will tell you that this can produce a prideful, self-righteous attitude that alienates people who have yet to meet Jesus. Tune in again to get a refresher course on the incredible sacrifice Jesus made. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.